Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we are going to be talking about the plight of the extra vulnerable to people who might get exposed to COVID. We're going to be talking with Val Chang. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition and one of our frequent guests. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to wear a mask? Why are we all doing this? And how does that help even if you've been vaccinated just to make sure that nobody is spreading COVID? So thank you for joining me again, Val. Oh, thank you. This is such an exciting opportunity to help share information because it's so confusing. There's just so much of it out there. There is, and it's definitely true that people have to be careful where they're getting their information. They should look at reputable sources, make sure that what they're hearing is correct. And I know that there's there's always different friend of a friend told me something, but, you know, we really want to get information from the experts. Now, This has been a serious trying time, particularly for a lot of folks who have the same medical condition as you, the COPD folks. And, you know, just to help us understand who those people are, what are some of the causes of COPD? It's not just smoking that is the only source. There are some other reasons or causes of of this condition. What sort of things might make somebody have COPD? Well, some people, about 4% of those of us with uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, um, have a hereditary condition called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, and it can be detected easily by a simple blood test or a cheek swab. Um, and then there are some of us that, honestly, they don't know why we, don't, why we have COPD, and we're called idiopathic. And some doctors say that chronic asthma can cause airway remodeling in your lungs if it's poorly managed and can lead to COPD. So that in addition to somebody who might have a long-standing history of smoking, all of those folks could get this chronic obstruction of their lungs. And if you were to describe how it feels, I've heard a variety of people try and estimate or guesstimate how it feels, but you having had this, this condition, how would you describe the concept of when you're having an episode where it's really bothering you? What does that feel like? It feels like if you take a really deep breath in, and then you let out about half of it or a little bit, and then you try to take another really deep breath in. You're basically stacking air, and it's really, really hard to breathe, and you just feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, I I was just trying to do that. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that doesn't feel good. I should stop that. Okay. So it's, it's a condition where you can't really empty your lungs completely because the structure of the airways doesn't allow you to get that air out. So you wind up floppy balloon. You can't really get everything out. It just doesn't spring. It's just kinda floppy. Everything's floppy. Now that in particular is something that could put people at risk for getting any type of respiratory infection. What are some of the common types of infections that in the years gone past people have experienced when they have COPD? Oh, the flu can end up with people in the hospital with pneumonia, for one thing, or just any cold. People are very concerned that they 
contact their doctor right away so they don't end up with pneumonia and end up in the hospital because our lungs are not really good at helping get rid of bacteria and viruses and all of those wonderful soup of stuff we breathe in all the time. So actually, surprisingly, those of us with COPD, a lot of us have been healthier because everyone has been staying away when they're sick and we have been wearing masks so that we aren't getting sick. Yeah, that's been an interesting phenomena. I know I've had some patients who are teachers or even some colleagues who have said, you know, I haven't had a respiratory infection in a year and a half. And it's like, yeah, because everybody's trying to keep their germs to themselves these days. And it's kind of amazing to think about how often these sorts of infections might have come because people were going to work sick or they were just coughing and not covering their mouth or they were just spreading it for a variety of different reasons. I hope one of the things that we take from this whole COVID pandemic is the idea of being really careful with, you know, hand washing and sanitizing and all those sorts of activities that I think in general helps people from the flu and other sorts of infections as well. And even distancing, you know, not being in everyone's face, you know, giving everyone a little more space. Very true. Very true. Simple things. Now, COVID created an even bigger challenge because very early on in the pandemic, there was a recommendation that people who have any type of respiratory illness, particularly those with COPD, that they self-quarantine, that they stay away from the public, from other people, because if somebody with COPD were to get exposed to coronavirus, that could really lead to a serious strain on their lungs and potentially cause a lot more symptoms than ever before. Correct. So what sorts of things did you do to stay safe? Well, um, I basically became a hermit. I mean, that's what my doctor said he had done. And fortunately for me, I am not working in the public. I can do a lot of things from my home. I've been getting a lot of Zoom conference calls, and I can um, edit my website from my house. So I can do a lot of the things I need to do from my own home. And when I do go out, I made a ton of cloth masks. But now that we're having Delta and it's more contagious, I decided to up my masks and get the more protective masks because cloth masks are only 30 to 50% protective against um, particles. And Delta is very, very contagious, a thousand times more than regular COVID. So I decided I deserve and need the best protection that's most breathable possible. Well, we'll talk about what sorts of masks that you found in just a moment. But, you know, briefly describe for me what your thoughts are on the correct way to wear a mask. Because, boy, there are some interesting things I see out there. Well, it's actually fairly straightforward. Um, we have to make sure there's a really good seal over our nose and our mouth. And it should reach your chin so that it can anchor there and just... There's no gaps. And so basically most masks will get a little warm, if not hot, while you're wearing them because 
you are breathing air that's trapped by the mask. And if it's not, and it's fogging your glasses, there's a leak. Well, and that's a really good test. If it's fogging your glasses, there's a leak, and we would need to know about what to do about that. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to hear from Val Chang, head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, about what sort of research she's done in masks and where she's found ones that she feels safe wearing, which is a higher level of, of requirements than it might be for some of us because she's really done the research and with the COPD wants to make sure that there's no chance of unnecessary exposure. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we have Valerie Chang on the line. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, and we are talking about particular populations who are at an increased risk of COVID if they were to get exposed. And right before the break, we were talking about the correct way to wear a mask, and you mentioned something pretty curious. You said if the seal is good, the glasses aren't fogging. So that's one way to know if your mask is not Positioned correctly, is that right? Yes, and you can actually feel around the sides of your mask, and if you can feel any air coming out when you breathe in and out, you know, take some deep breaths in and out, then obviously that's a leak. Now, you've done a lot of research in masks, and you've found a couple of different types that you found are really good. Some of the ones that you found may not be so good. What sort of information can you share with us about how you've determined which masks you would like to wear, and how you came to that conclusion. Well, the cheap, easy thing that is a step above what I was wearing is uh, the surgical masks that are common everywhere, and they're fairly inexpensive, and you can buy them at a large range of places. And there's a doctor on a YouTube channel that shows you you can tie a knot really near the beginning of the elastic so that um, you can make it a lot tighter and you tuck in the edges so that it um, it seals your seals to your face much better than the one size fits no one. <laughs> one size fits no one. I think the other key is that if you get masks that, you know, you need to wear new ones, right? You can't just oh, yeah. wear the same keep... mask for a week. You got to change that pretty much every day. And so that is an advantage of some of the surgical masks is that they are meant to be disposable. So you would not wear the same mask for several days in a row. And they're um, fairly inexpensive. So people aren't so torn to try to make it last. Very true. And that's the other issue is in the beginning of the pandemic, the N95 masks were sometimes restricted to hospital use only. And because of the need to use those masks and get such a serious high quality mask, there was in the very beginning, there were some thoughts of sanitizing the mask and using it another day once it was cleaned. And these days we should have enough 
I mean, we've certainly had enough warning. We should have enough masks available for everybody. So what was your next step? Because you mentioned that this was a step above what you were doing, which was an interesting way to customize a surgical mask. What other sorts of masks have you evolved into Yeah, I found those surgical masks, when you tighten it the way the doctor on the YouTube channel wanted us to do it, really hard to breathe out of, which was good because it showed that the seal was good. But I didn't find it very breathable. So I went on YouTube, and I found this guy, Aaron Collins. He's a um, mechanical engineer, and he got his master's degree by doing something with um, dispersion of particles. And so he made it his mission, and he's, there's articles about him, to test literally hundreds of masks and make a spreadsheet as to how well they are blocking particle dispersion and also how breathable they are. And so I looked at it, and he also on that same spreadsheet has information about how to obtain them because he said almost everything he acquired through uh, Amazon was fake. and Meaning it said it was N95 or a certain level really and it really wasn't. wasn't. Yeah, it was counterfeit. And so either it was much harder to breathe out of or it wasn't filtering much of anything. Well, so, and a mechanical engineer who does the testing on dispersion of air particles, you would, that's, that's a pretty scientific endeavor. <laughs> so, you know, I give him props already because, yeah. you know, physics is... Again, not my strong point. So the fact that he went and took all this time to do this is quite serendipitous for the rest of us. So you said that he kind of had a description of what features he looked at. And part of that was whether or not it was difficult to breathe in and out of and whether or not it it actually did help with particles that you might breathe in. And, you know, I think the real key is the best mask is the one you're going to wear and the one you're going to wear correctly. So what were some of the features of the masks that he seemed to find work the best? Well... The two that I liked that I thought would would not make me pass out because I can't breathe. That's were, important. We need you conscious. Yes, were, that would be important. Uh, one of them is the one he wears every day for work, which he says is the Save Wu brand, and it's a KN no KF ninety four because it's made in for uh, Asian standards, and so it's not a N95, but it's a genuine KF94, and it's sold out of Hong Kong. And it was about $1.50 a mask. You buy a box for, I don't know, 30-something dollars, and then you pay $10 postage, whatever. And then there is another one that is made in Colorado, and it's actually... Steamable, rinsable and steamable, or in the microwave. So you can actually reuse it 30 times or more. Wow. And so that one is actually really comfortable. It's called Aragami, and it comes in sizes. You have to measure your face and buy the correct size. And, of course, I bought the wrong size. (laughs) But eventually I got the correct size, and 
it's actually fairly comfortable, and you can either have it with ear loops or around your the back of your head if you don't want it to hurt your ears. Well, and that's good. It gives you a little bit of flexibility to find the particular type of mask that you want to wear. And interesting that you talked about sizing, because I think that's another key, that some of the masks that are out there might not be sized correctly for the person who's wearing them. Either they're too big and loose or they're too small and tight and people don't want to wear them. And so certainly there are some some reasons why creating a size, like you mentioned earlier, one size fits no one. You know, that's that's definitely a problem. But finding a way to customize that in some way sounds like it would make a lot of sense and also help to prevent the potential that someone could wear it and not get the protection that they think they're getting. Yeah, the leaks. I mean, the the first one we bought was so big, we, my husband and I both bought the wrong size and we could feel the air leaking in above our nose and below our chin. And we said, ah, we don't measure so well. (laughs) Well, I understand that. I definitely do. Because it's sometimes hard when you're looking at some of these ways in which you're supposed to measure and how you're supposed to do it. Now, in general, for the population of folks that you know are part of the COPD coalition, you know, there are some goals that people have to try and learn how to live with COPD. With some of the folks that you've interacted with over the last year and a half or so, have they have they caught COVID? Have do you know of anyone who has had that experience and what that might have been like for them? Most of the COPD patients I know have become even more reclusive than ever. They're your friends, the hermits, okay. <laughs> and they have been getting people to help deliver groceries, and they have just not been going out very much. Or if they do, they're very careful about where they go and how long they stay out. Because it's a lot of about how long your exposure is and what you're exposed to, I think. Very true. You know, even the CDC has suggested that it's the proximity of someone who has a illness that is currently positive, but it's also the duration of that exposure. And it also may be the intensity of that exposure. Walking next to someone or walking by somebody is different than than having a situation where you're sitting across a dinner table from them and spending a lot of time in discussion while you're eating with masks off. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk about Val Chang's forever interest in educating the public and those who have COPD about the best ways to protect themselves. And we'll talk more about it in just a minute. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today we're talking with Val Chang. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And right before the break, we were talking about her favorite types of masks. How do you know if it fits correctly and what to do if it doesn't, how you can customize that a little bit. And, you know, Val, one of the missions that you've had is to really help those who are dealing with COPD to live productive lives, but not put themselves at risk of infection and exposure or a variety of different things, not just COVID, but you mentioned influenza and different colds and bronchitis, et cetera. 
all different sorts of things that if they get into the lung tissue for someone who already has compromised lung tissue, this could be a bigger problem than ever. Now, we do know that folks who have COPD and know about it at least may have an opportunity to talk about what to do to protect themselves. But, you know, what about the folks who might have it and not know it? If someone out there says, you know, I I don't think I have a problem, what might be some of the common symptoms that they would have that would make them potentially talk with their providers and start getting tested for it? Well, one of the easy things to think about is you know, do you do less than you used to because you're short of breath? Or, you know, are you always holding up the rear and the height, which I have always done? <laughs> you know, or, or, or do you just have trouble keeping up with, with people your same age and relatively your same physical condition? Well, and that gets to the last year of everybody staying home on the couch. So I think if everybody's on the couch, I'm good with those couch people. I'm I'm right up to par with them. But then as you start doing more activity, you might notice that there's some trouble. So you said a decrease in your overall level of, of pulmonary exertion or your ability to exert yourself compared to what you used to be able to do. You know, your stamina falls off, you know, you just because you don't breathe so well, you're tired a lot more, and you just, or coughing. Coughing can be a sign of possible, people cough when they have asthma, people cough when they have COPD, or if you have a lot of mucus all the time for three months, two years in a row, that could be a sign of chronic bronchitis. Another manifestation that you'd need to worry about, particularly risk for infection, And you mentioned cough, and I have to tell you, you know, I had this sneezing attack at the grocery store a few months ago, and I have never cleared out several aisles more than I did then. (laughs) And I was just sneezing because, like, there was dust around or something. I don't know. But I was wearing a mask, and, you know, I definitely didn't have COVID. But, boy, I sneezed a few times, and that was it. I was getting stink eye everywhere, freaked everybody out. And, yeah, there was no way around it. So it's funny that you mentioned coughing and having some trouble breathing because, A lot of folks these days are afraid to cough in public because they're afraid everybody's going to get upset. That's certainly one way to socially distance. Uh, You know, and that's another key that you mentioned earlier is ways to keep yourself safe. You've sort of socially distanced at home. So you're becoming much more of a hermit, as you described it. But the other way that people, if they have to go out and about and they have COPD, can make sure that they're safe is to really avoid some of those gatherings or some of those events where they might actually have an increased exposure purely because of the inability to stay with that six feet or more of distance. Yes, or like when I, the few times that we dine out, we try to dine out outdoors. There are a few restaurants that have outdoor dining. So, And that's ideal because if you're outdoors, the wind is blowing, there's less likely to have a concentrated exposure. And, you know, if it's in the sunlight, uh, there's there's a thought that the UV rays would inactivate viruses if they're blowing around so that there is a potential benefit there as well. A lot more dilution, yes, too. So we get back to the concentration effect uh-huh. of the increased risk depending on your level of exposure, your your closeness with the individual, but also how infectious that they are. That becomes another thought and concern that we have to consider. So, 
you know, you mentioned that there's that your mission is to educate folks. And I really applaud your efforts to do that because you have put on a conference every year and tried to get people excited about learning about what they can do if they have this condition and some of the different devices and advances in medications that are out there for them. And once again, you mentioned that you become a Zoom queen. I can attest to that, <laughs> having gone to several meetings and and seen you at work with your cool background and everything else you have arranged. So what's up and coming for this year's COPD Well, it's event? our 15th annual COPD Education Day. It's Friday, September 10th from 9.30 until noon, and we have some really exciting speakers. We have a nurse practitioner from Straub talking about what is COPD and can answer people that are curious, you know, what is it and, you know, what are the current treatments. And then we have Clarence Rodriguez. He's a respiratory therapist from Kaiser. He's going to talk about the pulmonary rehabilitation program that they're going to be starting as well as exercise for patients with COPD. And then we have Asha Deverall, who is a integrative medicine pulmonologist from San Diego, and she's going to talk about optimal eating for lung health. And Aisha Holcomb is a physical therapist, and she's going to teach us about breathing and chest opening exercises. And then... Derek Nordstrom, who is a Chaminade Ph.D. psychology student, will be talking about depression, anxiety, and feelings. And then you and I get to do questions and answers at the end. We're bringing up the rear of the event. Uh, No, we're we're, we're combining everything. We are doing the home run hit. That's what we'll call it. Giving the nuggets. Absolutely. Well, and it's a great lineup. And I have to say that last year was the first year you had to turn it into a virtual event. And there are some advantages. Some folks could attend that might not otherwise have the time off during the day to travel to get to a location. But also you had some folks from the mainland who were able to participate, not just speaker wise, but also audience wise. Yes, we have several audience members that have signed up from the mainland already. I think it's exciting. They're really happy because our time zone works well for most of the mainland, so they're they're very happy. Absolutely, and I have to say that it's an event that is educational in purpose. So the advantage is, you know, you get knowledge at the end, and it's it's a great opportunity for folks if they want to hear about what's going on out there and what they can do to protect themselves. And even if you don't have COPD, you may have a loved one who does. And sometimes knowing what to do to help them and protect them is also a key feature of making sure that you keep the whole family safe. And we will archive this as well in the near future after it's done. And it will be on our website, www.hawaiicopd.org. And that's also where you would go to register. Excellent. And is there a cost? No, of course it's free. It we is want free. to give out free information. We love that cost because that would be free just for the time that you have spent and uh, taking the time to learn more about this serious medical condition, but also how to protect yourself and how to protect others. Val, what's your wish for COPD, that nobody else gets it? What else could we do? I think that no one else gets it, and those of us that have it live the best lives we can, the most full and active lives. And someday I would like to be able to travel safely again when we get COVID under control. (laughs) 
Well, that's hopefully something we're going to see pretty soon. soon. Right? One of these days. One of these days, I keep holding out hope. And and, and, and we're also hearing that uh, Booster is in the works for the U.S., and I think that that would be a good thing, too, to go with the other vaccinations we've had. Well, I agree. I think there's going to be a lot more news about the booster coming soon enough because there are a lot of folks who are at risk and we definitely want to protect everybody from getting exposed and getting sick and unfortunately having to be in the hospital or require other treatments. So I want to thank you once again, 15 years doing this online event, actually in person now online event for the Hawaii COPD coalition. That's Valerie Chang. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on our podcast, hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. We're on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we will see you next week as we talk more about health topics right here on The Body Show. We'll see you then. (music) 